Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi villains and welcome once again to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast and these podcasts seem to be coming thick and fast and you know what I wouldn't have it any other way because it is the most wonderful time of the year it's transfer season and today I'm here to chat to you about another transfer or potential transfer it seems to be mooted an awful lot since last night and that is the transfer of Pape Matar Sar from FC Mets. So I'm going to talk to you a small little bit about who this guy is. He's a very, very youthful footballer, really, really highly thought of in France, came through a great academy at the Generation um, for Generation Foot Academy in Senegal and went to ply his trade with FC Mets, who, to their credit, have, pro- have produced some fabulous players over the course of uh, their time, I suppose, in existence, and even so over the course of the last few years. Just a few to to uh, to mention as well as Kubiali, uh, the defender that we know is is highly sought after at the, morm- at the moment, um, Miriam Pjanic, uh, Ismail Assar, who Aston Villa were linked with, uh, that plays with Watford at the moment. Even, you know, going back to the likes of Adebayor, Perez, Ribéry, Saha, you know, you could go on and on and on. There is uh, there is quite a lot of players who've come out of the FC Mets Academy. Sadio Mane is somebody else who's come out of that academy too. Um, so he has had a very, very good schooling and has broken in recently to the FC Mets team at the age of 18. But who is Pape Matarsar? Well, let's take a little look. I have... Um, I, I've, I, I don't know a ton about him. Um, once again, I've been off work today, so I've had time to look at one or two scraps that I can get of him. The French football isn't the easiest to get hold of, hold of tape on. I don't have any still shots to show you today, but um, as I say, it's not the easiest to get, uh, to get a hold of. But I, um, I have been able to look at him and see uh, one or two things. But let me share... Uh, let me share my screen with you, and you should be able to see that there now. So, uh, so he's Papi Matasari, Senegalese-born um, player. As I say, he did come through the Generation Foot Academy uh, in Senegal. Uh, his position at the moment would be defensive midfielder, central midfielder. It's a really interesting discussion on him as to where he would play um, or where he will play when he's older. I have seen a lot of people refer to him as a Paul Pogba type uh, player. Um, obviously, they want to go throwing around bits and pieces like that because uh, he's only 18 years of age. But uh, when he plays at his age group, as in for Senegal underage, or when he played, you know, in the FC Mets Academy, it's, and, and even with Generation Foot, um, he seemed to play as a more advanced, advanced midfielder 
picking up a lot of balls at the edge of the area, uh, scored some cracking free kicks that you can see online, has scored some penalties in his time. So he's very, very good with his feet. We will get onto that in a moment based upon his stats and what I've seen too. His uh, range is anywhere from five foot ten to six six and a half inches. Um, I think six and a half inches is probably more correct from what I've seen of him on the field. He seems a bit more, a bit taller than five ten. He's predominantly right-footed and based on his statistical output over the course of this year for FC Mets, not taking into account, um, not taking into account the opposition that he would have played against. Uh, he has a similar statistical output as Declan Rice, a big favourite of mine, Czech Decore, as any of you guys will know that I have uh, have waxed lyrically about Czech Decore. Uh, Fulham midfielder Mario Lamina, who was a very unsung hero in that Fulham team, even though they did uh, succumb to relegation this year. He was an unsung hero there uh, for, for that team, uh, beside Anguisa. And also Bakayoko of Chelsea's forgotten man who went on loan to AC Milan last year. He's been on loan to Monaco. He was on loan at, at Napoli, should I say, last year and played some really, really good stuff uh, in European football. So some of the similar players that he has st similar statistical output to um, are shown there on the screen. That's not like not to say that he's going to turn into one of these guys, but it is exciting. And I think if I was to pick who he is a bit, who he is most like based on based on seeing his his tape as a younger younger player and playing for Mets this year, I would probably say he's most like a Declan Rice type without getting my hopes up too much, if that makes sense. So looking at his heat map below, we can see he's predominantly, you know, he's all around that middle middle um, third of the field. Um, he's able to advance a small bit further forward. He's able to come back. You can see that he's not afraid to get around the field. Very industrious, not too dissimilar to a John McGinn heat map. Once again, you know, John McGinn's energy, effervescence, and uh, the way he gets around the field is very evident. This is not too dissimilar, but this is more heavily weighted in the defensive positions. And we can see that this is heavily more heavily weighted in the defensive left-hand side as well, which is really interesting statistically because, as we know, John McGinn, Dean Smith prefers to play John McGinn on the right-hand side. In a, in a more box-to-box um, -box midfielder type situation. So this to me is really, really interesting the way this is. The, the, the balance could be interpreted that Dean Smith might be looking for if Pape Matasar was to come and, and, and join the team. So what was his output for last year? So his statistical output, once again, was he played 28 games with 18 starts. So his sample set is small. We're not getting carried away here, but his sample set is small. Um, but for a small sample set, he had he was quite industrious and quite active in those games that he did play. He scored three goals last year. I've said he's a defensive midfielder, and you're saying you're going to look at me and say, "Well, he scored three goals last year." And yeah, he absolutely did. Imagine if we had a defensive midfielder or a central midfielder that could pop up with three, four, five goals. McGinn did it this year. Imagine if we had another one. It would be absolutely fantastic. 18 years of age, who's to say he can't build upon this? He didn't have any assists, which, once again, as I say, if he's going to be a defensive uh, midfielder, it's not a massive thing for me. Five yellow cards over the course of last year and no red cards. Let's take a look at some of his uh, at some of his on field play statistics, as I like to call them. So he had 85.6 percent. Um, per percent completion rate, which is really good, and that that came from an average of fifty two point four attempted passes per ninety minutes. So that's quite a lot of passes that he would have attempted. Eighty five point six percent of those were um 
were did hit the target, should I say? You know, so they did go to who they who they wanted, who he wanted them to go to. Short passes, eighty nine point seven percent from twenty point eight uh, attempted per per ninety minutes. Once again, you know that's a big number, and you would expect a nice little continuity player in the middle of midfield, uh, somebody who wins the ball, lays it off, to be able to play those passes. And eighty nine point seven percent is a really really good number. Medium passes, once again, medium passes into the fifteen yard, uh, 15, 15 yard range. That's what we're going to be looking at here. That's ninety point four from twenty point five attempt attempts over ninety minutes. So when you're looking at this, he played as many short and medium as he did medium passes through the course of 90 minutes and he was actually you know it didn't really matter that his his um his completion percentage wasn't affected by that his long passing percentage was it was 75.8 percent and that was uh from 9.3 attempts per 90 minutes as well which is uh you know great to see and to just put those numbers in comparison and i know i don't have the attempts per 90 but if we were to look at somebody like emmy buendia and I don't know if he's total attempts as well. Emid Buendia would have averaged um would have averaged 86% and short passes, 80% and medium passes, and 51% and long passes. Now, obviously, sample sets are going to be higher for Emid Buendia. I'm not saying that Pape Matasar is going to be this all-encompassing wizard of a midfielder. He could very well be. I don't know because the sample set is small. And if you were to put a gun to my head, I would say that Emi Buendia has played more passes per 90 minutes than Pape Matasar. What I'm really, really, really intrigued by is his defensive output. And I'm going to pretty much be pretty stereotypical here. And I'm going to put some of his numbers up against N'Golo Kante. Why not? If we want to be the best, we got to we got to aspire to be the best. So I'm going to put some of his numbers up against against N'Golo Kante. And the first one here, tackles per 90. So tackles uh, in 90-minute period. Um. Papa Matasar had 2.77 tackles per 90 minutes. Uh, compared to N'Golo Kante, who had 3.14 tackles per 90 minutes. Bit of a disparity there. You know, 0.3 tackles per 90 minutes. It averages out as quite a lot over the course of the year. Once again, sample set adjusted. And also the fact that Papa Matasar at times played mid central midfield and defensive midfielder. Um, Papa Matasar was dribbled past 5.2, uh, 1.52 times per 90 minutes. That's something that he would need to improve on, but still saying that he still is in the top 70 percentile uh, in all of Europe's top five leagues for that number. So it's uh, it's not a concern, but if he wants to get to be the best, he's going to have to come up with a number like Ngolo Kante, who came in at 1.09 dribbles past per 90 minutes. So there's a bit of a disparity there, but saying that he is still in the higher echelon of midfielders in Europe's top five leagues over the last season as well. So Papi Matasar had 19.99 pressures per 90 minutes, which was, which was from memory, I think that was in the top 86 or 88% percentile of all midfielders in Europe's top five leagues and compares favorably when you look at N'Golo Kante's 19.16 pressures per 90 minutes. So we're talking there's almost one pressure per minute, or per 90 minutes uh, that Papa Matosar had over N'Golo Kante. Once again, these are not all encompassing. This is just fact and stat that I'm just, I'm spitballing here as well. And um, his pressure success rate was 33.1%. And 
how does that compare to N'Golo Kante? Well, N'Golo Kante had 34.3% pressure success rate. So it's still within the ballpark there of N'Golo Kante. And this is uh, one that I was really, really, I think is really, really important. And is something that I think Dean Smith will value very, very much so. Pape Matasar had 2.31 interceptions per, per 90 minutes. And N'Golo Kante had 2.35 interceptions per 90 minutes, putting both of them in the top 98 percentile of European the, uh, central midfielders in Europe's top five leagues. That is phenomenal. Something like that, having an interception rate like that is really good. We know that Dean Smith wants us to intercept the ball. That's why he unleashed John McGinn, let him run around the field. Didn't work as much this year as it has in other years. That's why he likes to, um, and go, uh, Marvellous to combat, come in there and patrol in around the midfield. He intercepts the ball. He gets his foot in there. He doesn't dive in. Same with Douglas Louise. Tries to intercept the ball. It's something I think that Dean Smith uh, favours and really looks out for in his midfielders. And having somebody there who can who can uh, formulate interceptions at the pace, same pace over the last year as N'Golo Kante, to me is quite, quite, you know, that's quite exciting should this guy come in here. And I'm not going to look... I completely understand when you look and you take into account strength of opposition. You know, N'Golo Kante playing in the Premier League, playing in the Champions League, play, or, um, playing playing it at the top level of football. Um, French league on is quite a decent league, but as we say, it's not going to um, it's not going to knock knock uh, snow off a rope when it comes towards the uh, the, the Premier League and, and the upper echelons of Premier League and especially um, the Champions League as well. Now, here are some interesting miscellaneous stats that I picked out because a lot of people have talked about N'Golo Kante recently and they've said that, you know, he's brought a lot more onto his game. He was man of match in the Champions League final and that's why I'm talking about N'Golo Kante here, but he was man of match in the Champions League final. He's brought a bit more uh, attacking and central, all-around central midfield box-to-box play to his game. So I wanted to look at some carries because that's something that people had mentioned about N'Golo Kante. And in go, uh, Pape Matasar, uh, he stacks up brilliantly in, in comparison to, to N'Golo Kante, um, whereby Pape Matasar has 47.99 carries per 90 minutes, N'Golo Kante is 47.50, so once again coming at the same at the same, the same level. And the progressive carry distance, Pape Matasar has 172.72 um meters per carried per 90 minutes whereas N'Golo Kante has 124.75 so we can see that he's been able to progress the ball forward via his carries uh, a small bit more now once again as I say this is stat cherry picking a small little bit but it's just an interesting piece to, to to look at in comparison with this young man's development at FC Mets should he come into the league we need to try and find somebody that he would aspire to be or that we would like him to grow into and who better than N'Golo Kante somebody that we're looking at potentially being named uh, Golden Boot or the um, getting the Ballon d'Or this year. So why not strive to be the best and why not put him up with the num- with those numbers against the best, especially within the defensive realms and the carry realms uh, when we are looking at some statistical analysis for um, Pape Matasar. Um. 
So, yeah, as I said, like, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Aston Villa here and this this transfer. It seems to be gathering a bit of pace. As I mentioned, Birmingham Mail have said that Aston Villa have started talks with Mets over a potential signing. Uh, Joris Carbois of RMC Sports says the clubs have already started the pursuit of the talented teenager who is also on the radar of AC Milan, Everton, Manchester United. Um, uh Colbois has mentioned that Milan have been following him since February, but Villa are the only club to have started talks. Uh, this would be a pretty big signing. Money-wise, I don't know. We've seen 27 million bandied around the place. We've seen uh, in the 20s, should I say, anywhere from 22 to 25 to 27 bandied around the place. I don't know. I don't know what he would cost. Frankly, I don't care what he would cost. If this... If this um, Regime feel that he is the man to take us forward. Well, then he gets the thumbs up from me because they haven't put a wrong step yet. And I think getting in a midfielder like this, um, an all-action midfielder, predominantly defensive midfielder, I think will be quite good and will suit Dean Smith's system. Um, especially if, as I think we are going to do, we are going to revert to a 4-3-3, playing Buendia and Jack Grealish as, as the... Um, the withdrawn wide forwards as opposed to um and not having a number 10 like we did previously it could be something that we might see over the course of the next year uh what it would allow us to do is be less passive in midfield we wouldn't get overrun in midfield we wouldn't we i don't think dean smith wants to do um wants us to invite the pressure onto our penalty area anymore considering that when we play against the big teams when we do that they dribble into the box and you know we end up getting the decisions against us with regards to penalties i think the best way to do that is to create your block a small bit higher and uh, the best way to do that is so that you don't have to file back a number 10 that you can play two weights at times obviously against the bigger teams you can play two weights there create your high block and have douglas louise there to mop up or create your mid block should i say have douglas louise to mop up in behind and still protect my favorite area on the field the d in front of our own goals so i think that might be something that we might see with uh with, with this in mind should it come off but it is it is exciting times guys it's 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 really uh it, it's it's uh it's it's a really really interesting one for us to see um he has uh, as i say he yeah, it's it, it's it's one that we're going to take a look at. There's a lot of information out there on Pepe Mata Sar. Um, it's a lot of written information, a lot of written scouting reports. Some people see him as a winger in time to come. I'm not fully there. I don't see it. I think he's got good feet. I just don't know why you wouldn't want to have his combative uh, ability in the middle of the field. Uh, his own manager at the moment, Perrin, Olivier Perrin, has said that he's most likely going to be on the move. He's played in central midfield and defensive midfield. From what I've seen of him, I don't see him playing anywhere outside of the center of midfield. And I think if you were to play him left or right, that you would be a small little bit insane, to be honest with you, because he is not... Um, he he's not he's he's he, you would be wasting his talents should i say and his talents are varied he comes from a footballing family his father was an international goalkeeper and his co his uncle was a football coach as well and you know i would imagine that it was always in in the tea leaves for him to make his um uh to to make his his way into professional football so much so that i think i remember reading as well that manchester city were after him when he was aged just nine as well but uh he 
he turned down their overtures as well. Um, so look, as I say, it is a very exciting time for Aston Villa football transfer-wise. Um, I don't really have much more to, t- to chat about this. I know a lot of people have been asking questions about who this guy is, who Pepe Matasar is. Well, hopefully this has given you a better insight into him. Hopefully this stat- statistical analysis has shown you what I think that this player will offer us should he come into the team. Um and, you know, hopefully we see him sign because from all, for all intents and purposes, he seems to be a guy whose star is very, very much so on the rise. So thanks very much as always, everybody, for listening. Really, really appreciate everything you do for the podcast. You can follow me at, at Love McGrath Pod. Please give us a subscribe on YouTube. Please like our podcast as well and listen to the audio version. We will be doing bits and pieces between the two over the course of this off season. I hope and I plan to come with at least two to three podcasts uh, every week this off season, highlighting players as and when we are linked because this is my favorite time of the year. And, uh, you know, I just absolutely love putting these together. So thanks ever so much to everybody for all the kind words that we've received in the last couple of days. Uh, hopefully we, te- we see some action and Villa get their business done early within this transfer market in the form of signing Pape Matasar. Should this be the person that they have earmarked for the role, I will definitely give it a thumbs up. Um, let's hope that some news comes out soon. Let's hope that there's something concrete. Let's hope that Aston Villa continue their great work after signing Emi Buendia. We will be back with more podcasts over the course of the next few days. And until then, all that's left to say is up the Villa. Podcast Network.